It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blue's Disney On Demand, and this week for show number 97. For the week of January 22nd, 2015, we're taking you back to your childhood. And what better way to do that than to go back to those video cassettes, those DVDs, those movie trailers, and of course the Disney Channel. And what better way to celebrate that with all these memories from your childhood is to welcome none other than voice actor, voiceover artist, and of course, the voice of Disney from 1983 to 2007. Yes, he played a role in your childhood. We have none other than Mark Elliott stopping in here at the show. That's right, Mark Elliott, who has been known as the voice of Disney from 83 to 2007 played a part in many of our lives. Whether that was the newest Disney trailer getting released in the movie theaters, that live action family adventure, the latest video cassette releases, and later on even DVDs, as well as our favorite Disney Channel shows. We have Mark Elliott stopping in here to remember all those great things that he brought into your lives as well as his entire career. What got him into voice acting? What led him down this path of being the voice of Disney? His favorite memories? And of course, being part of many other voiceover projects. Many people don't realize he was also the voice of Touchstone Films and CBS and many other things. So get ready as we have the one, the only, the icon himself, Mark Elliott stopping in later on here at the show. In addition, no show would be complete without the D-team. That's right, you have questions, he has answers, and Aaron's going to answer all your questions, and I want to know. We also have Caitlin back with the latest from the Walt Disney World Resort with WDW and 2, a quick rundown of what's just going on at the resorts this week. And of course, no Disney show would be complete without the music, the magic, and the memories, and we have Paige back with the latest magical music review. And we dig deeper into the vault with the latest Blu-ray and DVDs that you want to add to your collection with Jason. And let's not forget taking that look back into Disney history as we have Nathan stepping back in time with this week in Disney history. There's all kinds of news hot off the D-wire, all kinds of magic, memories, and fun. And I am very excited this week to take that trip down memory lane for myself with that voice, that man, the person that you knew something good was coming onto the screen soon. Mark Elliott stopping in here at the show. So before we officially kick off the show, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is proudly sponsored by DVC-Rental.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. At DVC-Rental.com, you can save up to 60% on your next Walt Disney World vacation just by purchasing unused Vacation Club points from Vacation Club members. You can stay at the Polynesian, the Grand Floridian, Animal Kingdom, and more and save up to 60% and really make the memories happen at your next Walt Disney World trip. Just book that vacation through DVC-Rental.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I am excited. As you can tell, I am energized here this week. I have been waiting for this kind of interview for a long time. So let's officially kick off show number 97 for the week of January 22nd, 2015. How fitting, since we're welcoming a friend that pretty much was the voice that we knew growing up. Let's kick it off by showing him that he has a friend in us. Be right back, all of you D-heads.
Well, Alibaba had them 40 thieves. Sherry's already had a thousand tails. But master, you in luck, cause up your sleeves, you got a brand of magic never fails. You got some power in your corner now. It's heavy ammunition in your camp. You got some punch to dance. You got who and how, say all you gotta do is rub that lamp. And I'll say, Mr. Lancer, what will your pleasure be? Let me take your order, jot it down. You ain't never had a friend like me. <laughs> Life is your restaurant, and I'm your melody. Come on, whisper what it is you want. You ain't never had a friend like me. Yes, sir, we pride ourselves on service. You're the boss, the king, the shop. Say what you wish, it's yours. True dish about a little more baklavah. As I'm a columnist, try all of column B. I'm in the mood to help you, dude. You ain't never had a friend like me. No, my. No, no. Can your friends do this? Can your friends do that? Can your friends pull this? Of their little hand. Can your friends go? Hey, look at here. Abracadabra, let it rip! And then make the sucker disappear! So don't you sit there, smack your buggy eyed! I'm here to answer all you big death threats! You got me bone out, feet ass, certified! You got a genie for a child to fail! I got a power ass to help you out! So what you wish, I really wanna know! You got a list that's three miles long, no doubt! Well, all you gotta do is rub like so! Mr. Aladdin, sir, have a shot two or three! I'm on the job, you big nabob. You ain't never had a friend, never had a friend. You ain't never had a friend, never had a friend. You ain't never had a friend like me. You ain't never had a friend like me. And now, coming soon to video cassette. The magic, the music, the masterpiece. One of Walt Disney's greatest motion pictures is coming your way on video. Take a look at that. Cinderella. It's the one and only original version of the all-time favorite story. This to be a ball. A ball? That means I can go too, Cinderella. She had her heart to guide her. Scrub the terrace, sweep the halls and the stairs, clean the chimney. Poor Cinderella. She had her friends to help her. Cinderella, Cinderella, night and day at Cinderella. Make the fire, fix the breakfast, wash the dishes, do the mopping. And she had a fairy godmother to make her dreams come true. Salagadoola, mentricaboola, Put them together, and what have you got? Bibbidi bobbidi boo. Cinderella. On the stroke of twelve, the spell will be broken. Goodbye. I don't even know your name. How will I find you? Wait, please wait. Now is the time to join in all the fun <laughs> of a magical motion picture only Walt Disney could create. It's the original Walt Disney masterpiece, Cinderella. Coming soon to video.
Well, sir, tonight's tonight. That's right. In a world where the success of an industry depends upon the creative ability of a few, greatness must be recognized. The 26th Annual Hollywood Reporter Key Art Awards. Shall I head directly to the DGA? No, not yet. First, we have to assemble our team. Our team? Imagine five of the top voiceover artists in our country, all in one car. Mine. Meet John Leader. A simple man in a complicated world. But tonight, for one heart-stopping moment, quite possibly a hero. Now that's a knife. Dictate. A voice. 65 million years in the making. Ominous. Mysterious. Hung like a horse. Rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parent. Well, are we prepared to move on to the ceremony? Prepared? Nothing could ever prepare you for what awaits you. At the ceremony. Meet Mark Elliott, the cherished voice of the most beloved animated classics of our time. Featuring all your favorite Disney characters Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Timon, Pumbaa, Pocahontas, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Beauty and the Beast, Winnie the Pooh, Thumper, Dot, Sleepy, Sneezy, and the ever delightful Dopey. With special songs by the Academy Award-winning team that brought you Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin. Okay, anyone less, sir? Only one man. Excuse me. Sure. Hell. Hi, Don. It's Al Douglas. Who? Al. Al Chuck. Action. Adventure. Romance. I make it all look so easy. And sound cool. Oh, yeah. Sir, are we going to the awards now? Not yet. Now. 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 You know, Clinton, you may call them the awards. But for the few with the real courage to call themselves vendors, it's going to be the white-knuckle thrill ride of the year. For some, it's a night of unending suspense and terror. But for others, a heartwarming affirmation of the can-do American spirit inside us all. Featuring all your favorite vendors, Aspect Ratio, BLT, Creative Domain, Dazoo, Seiniger, Interlink, Trailer Park, New Wave, Craig Murray, CBO, BD Fox, The Idea Place, Geronimo, Kaleidoscope. Let's go. Okay. Hi, this is Mark Elliott, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. And now, our feature presentation. I can't believe it. It's Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. 
You hear that? It's the winds of change. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 97 for the week of January 22nd, 2015, as we're gearing up for that icon, the man, the person who just is synonymous with Disney. When you hear his voice, you think of all the memories rushing back from your childhood and many other moments in your life. Mark Elliott stopping in here at the show. I am truly excited for that. We have the D-team and all kinds of fun. I myself am full of magic here this week. Because not only are we welcoming Mark Elliott, somebody who has been influential in my life, somebody who's played a part in many of our lives, with a D-team, I am getting ready to dance away this weekend with my oldest of my four children, my eight-year-old princess, Allie Joy, as we're getting ready for our annual father-daughter dance. That is the night where I get to dance with the best and beautiful princess. Mind you, my two-year-old is beautiful as well, but she's not at the father-daughter dance stage yet. But I'm going to be able to sweep the night away with the father-daughter dance this weekend, so it's truly going to be a magical, magical week for me. I mean, I am excited. Mark Elliott as the guest, dancing with my beautiful eight-year-old princess and the D-team, and of course, all of you, the D-heads, tuning in here this week. I am excited this week for this show. So before I jump into many other things and news hot off the D-wire, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete archives, our latest news blogs, the latest podcasts, our Lifetime of Disney Player, and many other goodies right there on our website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash John Diz. That's J-O-N. D-I-Z. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. Just search Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, or Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. And you can find all these links and stay connected with us right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. And remember, you can always get the latest shows right there on your device, your Android, your iPhone, and more, just by subscribing through Stitcher Radio and iTunes and looking up Disney Blue or Diz Radio and getting the latest shows right there to listen to as they become available. So all of you D-heads, with that said, it is all out of the way. I am excited. So you know what? I am brushing off news here this week because I already had a pre-chat with Mark Elliott, and let me tell you, there is a lot of things we want to tackle, so I know that he's going to be stopping in for quite some time here at the show. So I'm not going to jump into news this week. There hasn't been too much news anyways. Uh, Some more measles outbreaks at Disneyland, maybe a couple of things on the horizon with some Disney Channel stars getting their own series, and of course, David Henry playing Ronald Reagan in an upcoming film, So there's a lot of different news on the horizon, but nothing that's, like, earth-shattering. So, you know what? I'm going to put off news until next week. But there are some things that I do want to talk about here this week. And, of course, our new Facebook group that is going to be set in motion next week. Many of you have asked for ways to connect and join up and really interact with the D-team. And, of course, that goes beyond just, uh, you know, sending emails and things like that as well. So we figured, why not make a group? You know, I don't want to jump into forums. The days of forums are few and far between. So we are creating an official Diz Radio D-Wire discussion board. And I'm going to release that very soon. If you subscribe to our newsletter and more, you're going to get the release on that as we have that available. 
In addition, we have some very special things coming, some great contests that are on the horizon. Let's just say, if you have a magic band, now what better way to celebrate at the Magic Kingdom? You have your magic band. We're going to have official Diz Radio I'm a D-Head magic bands coming as well. Yes, there's skins that you can apply to your magic band. We also have exclusive iPhone cases and many other things. And these aren't going to be for sale, so don't think, oh, how are they going to make money off this? They want me to purchase these. We're giving these away to you because you are D-heads. You are the reason we bring this show to you every single week. We're truly humbled to bring these shows to you, and we're going to have some great contests coming on the horizon where you can get your very own I'm a D-head Diz Radio Magic Band skins, some iPhone covers, and even something out there for many of you Fitbit users. Maybe you're a Fitbit user who loves to run, jog, do the marathons. We're going to have something for you as well. So I'm pretty excited for this to bring this to all of you D-heads out there and all of you listeners who have been faithful all these years. I mean, this is our fifth year. This is our fifth anniversary, our fifth year of Diz Radio. Coming up this June will be our official five-year anniversary of Disney On Demand. So I am pretty excited for this, all of you D-heads, and excited to bring this on the horizon for you. So I am stoked for this. Now, on another side note, as I mentioned, we lost some of our D-team to the Magic Kingdom as they became official cast members these last couple of weeks. So we are looking for you to get involved here at the show. If you want to jump on in, you want to be a personality here in the show, maybe a blogger or somebody that's on air here, Every single week is part of the D-Team. No matter what, we have something for everybody. Our street team, bloggers, on-air personalities, and more. You have to have no background. Don't worry about it. We just want to have somebody that is dedicated and has a love of Disney. So if you want to get involved and you want to be part of the D-Team, drop us a line, DizRadio, that's D-I-Z radio at gmail.com. You can also email us directly through our website at DizRadio.com. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I'm prepping up, getting ready for the father-daughter dance here this weekend, going through my entire Disney archives as I'm speaking with the one and only, the man, Mark Elliott, here very shortly as well. We have the D-team in the horizon. You have questions, he has answers. Aaron's going to be stopping in with I Want to Know. We have Paige with the Magical Music Review. Caitlin with WDW and 2, Nathan with This Week in Disney History, and Jason with the latest Blu-ray and DVD reviews. What would I do without the D-Team? Seriously, the D-Team, I just gotta say, what would I do without you? You are the core of the show. So all of you D-Heads, before I let you go, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is proudly sponsored by DVC-Rental.com, the official sponsor here at the show. At DVC-Rental.com, you can save up to 60% of your next Walt Disney World vacation just by purchasing unused Vacation Club points from those Vacation Club members. You can stay at the Grand Floridian, the Polynesian, Animal Kingdom, and more, and save up to 60% on your next Walt Disney World trip, so you can save that money and spend it on what else? Souvenirs. So definitely book your trip, dvc-rental.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I am excited. There's a lot of things on the horizon. Mark Elliott is stopping in here soon, the voice of Disney from 1983 to 2007, but let's face it, it's a lifetime for many of us. It's something that that is the only voice we know. So Mark Elliott's going to be stopping in here shortly. I have the D-team waiting in the horizon, just waiting for me to shut my mouth here and release the reins to them. So all of you D-heads, I'm going to release the reins to the D-team. Let's officially kick it off and let's have some fun. I am excited. So let's press on with show number 97 for the week of January 22nd, 2015. I'll be right back, all of you D-heads. And when I am, I'm going to have a very, very familiar voice joining me. Talk to you soon, D-Heads. Take it away, team. Grand prize was... Cooper. ...in their dealings with... ...dressed envelope to...
Davis and Kurt. Right down that. Walt Disney Pictures presents its all new 30th full length animated motion picture. Is anyone here? Mama, there's a girl in the castle. Good. A girl. The classic story of Beauty and the Beast. He was a lonely beast, cursed by a mysterious spell, and she was the beautiful young girl who could set him and his kingdom free. She's the one. She has come to break the spell. They were two complete opposites. I don't want to have anything to do with him. She is being so difficult. Until something wonderful happened. There's something sweet. Straighten up. And almost kind. Show me the smile. But he was mean and he was coarse and unrefined. And now he's dear. You look so... And so Stupid. I wonder why I didn't see it there before. It's a story filled with fun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I beg your pardon. Adventure. Sacre bleu. Invaders. <laughs> And dozens of wonderful new Disney characters. Keep it down. Featuring six new songs from the Academy Award-winning composer and lyricist of The Little Mermaid. This holiday season, share the fun, the magic, and the music of an entertainment event you'll never forget. Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Hi, I'm Robbie Benson, the author of I'm Not Dead Yet and also The Beast. And you're listening to Disney On Demand.
Coming soon to own on video cassette. One of the greatest Disney animated classics is now on video for the first time. Check it out! Join all the fun with the hippest and wildest Disney characters ever. Absolutely positively. Meet the Dodger. One bad puppy. Fagan. <laughs> Tito. No kidding, man. Georgia. You little bug-eyed creep. Ooh, I think she likes me. And Oliver. A pussycat? Come on, let's eat him. It's Oliver and Company. All right. The classic story of Oliver with a Disney twist. Yeah! One minute, I'm in He's the little orphan kitten who goes from down on the streets. Don't worry, kitty. I'll take care of you. Up to a Park Avenue penthouse. Isn't he cute? Do you happen to know out of whose bowl you're eating? Mine! But when little Oliver gets into big trouble... He kidnapped Oliver. Come on, man, let's go. It's up to the Dodger and his friends to save the day. I broke a nail. This fall, you and your family are invited to share all the adventure. Hey, get off my back, woman, I'm driving. And all the fun. And sing along with great songs performed by Bette Midler, Huey Lewis, and Billy Joel. So join the gang Don't pile. and add this great classic to your Disney collection. Oliver and Company. Own it on video September 24th. Hey man, if this is torture, chain me to the wall. You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. Hey D-Heads. This is Aaron, and I'm back with another installment of I Want to Know. Virtual mailbags get pretty full, so let's reach in and see what questions we have for this week. Our first question is from Mandy Petstein of Maryland, and she writes, Disney On Demand Podcast? I've been listening to many old LPs from the archives, and one I came across was the soundtrack for The Happiest Millionaire. I think it's brilliant. I have this old vinyl record, is it available on CD or digital anywhere? Also, were there any covers from the movie by popular stars of the time? Thank you in advance. Well, The Happiest Millionaire is a 1967 musical film starring Fred McMurray and based upon the true story of Philadelphia millionaire Anthony J. Drexel Biddle. The musical song score is by the Sherman Brothers. The original cast soundtrack was released on Buena Vista Records in stereo and mono versions. A second cast recording with studio singers and orchestrations by Tutti Camarata appeared on Disneyland Records in stereo and mono. The cast soundtrack was re-released on CD in 2002, remastered from the original 8-track master tapes to reduce the heavy reverb from the original LP. It is currently available on iTunes. Diana Ross and the Supremes covered It Won't Be Long Till Christmas for their planned album of Disney covers, but the tracks from that session were not released until the 1980s. Our next question is from Jordan of New York, and he writes, Okay, so I decided to email, if anything, to test you at the podcast. So my question is about Hollywood Studios. I recall back when it was MGM, there was much 
hype about it being a working studio of sorts. I know they filmed such things as Mickey Mouse Club and used the backlot for filming the Bette Midler part of Backstage Tour. What were some of the other elements or shows that were filmed there? Thank you for any help. Well, the Walt Disney Company's original concept for Disney MGM Studios was to operate it as a full-fledged television and motion picture production facility, not just a theme park. In 1988, among the first feature-length movies filmed at the facility, prior to its completion and opening as a theme park, was Ernest Saves Christmas and Newsies. When the park opened in 1989, the studio production facilities housed two major components. The first of which was Walt Disney Feature Animation Florida, where Disney produced a number of projects, including Mulan, Lilo and Stitch, Brother Bear, and sequences from other 1990s, early 2000s Disney animated features. The second larger component was the Walt Disney Studios Florida, which consisted of three sound stages used for various Disney projects including Disney Channel's Mickey Mouse Club, Teen Win, Loser, Draw, and Adventures in Wonderland. Several third-party productions also used the studios including Superboy for the first season from 1988 to 1989, Thunder in Paradise, a revival of Let's Make a Deal, special broadcast of Wheel of Fortune, and the airplane interior sequences for the feature film Passenger 57. In addition, a number of music videos and several tapings for World Championship Wrestling, as well as live broadcasts for WCW Monday Nitro, were also shot there. I'm sure you agree with me, D-Heads. The studios was so much better when it was a working studio. Well, our final question this week is from Natalie in Oregon, and she writes, Diz Radio and the D-Team, first great show. Never miss a beat. I saw your Facebook post last week that had Master Size on it. I'm a young D-Head, so I don't know what it was. I did Google some of it, and fig- figured I would just come to the source on the answers. When did it air? Is the host still around? Can you still find these digitally, DVD or VHS? Think I saw there was a record somewhere too. Thank you very much. Well, in 1982, Mouser Size an exercise album for children released by Disneyland Records featuring various Disney songs. A television series inspired by the album debuted on the Disney Channel on April 18, 1983 when the channel launched and was one of the channel's first programs. The series featured, now excuse my pronunciation here, Kellen Plasturit, along with the Mickey Mouse and other Disney characters, exercising with a group of kids. The show continued to run until 1996. The host, Kellen, sadly passed away on April 30, 2009 in California. In 1985, a VHS was released based on the TV series. A different exercise album for kids was released in 2005 on CD, and the 1982 album is available on iTunes. There's also a really cool video on YouTube of the introduction of the show. Wow, is it 80s. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for the great questions and keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. 
We'll see you next week, D-Head. Hi, Musketeers! Hi, baby! Let's Musketeers! We're about to have a great workout. You've got a program that's going to get you into shape and keep you there. After your workout, I'm going to teach you a complete rock dance number so that you can perform it on stage or on the dance floor. If you have any physical handicaps or special health conditions, you should check with your doctor before working out with us. their dealings with envelope to Davis and Kurt. Right down that why the sudden curiosity about your dad, huh? Mother, you can't avoid the subject forever. At least tell me what he was like. I want to talk to you about my mother. Well, what about your mother? Dad, I'm almost 12. How long do you expect me to buy that story that the stork dropped me on your doorstep? Everyone in the world believes they're unique in their own way. But this summer, Annie James and Hallie Parker are about to discover... This is so freaky. They're both unique in the same way. That's my mom. That's my dad. And you and I are like, like sisters. Holly, we're like twins. I have a brilliant idea. I think we should switch places. I'll go back to London as you, and you go back to California as me. If we switch, they'll have to unswitch us. And when they do, they'll have to meet again. Face to face. Honey, you never looked better. Welcome home, kiddo. Dad. Finally. Now, two sisters. Come back. Mother. Are setting the perfect trap. It seems like it's been forever. I have no idea. To bring their parents back together. This is an emergency. Dad's in love. What? Bring your shirt like this. I like it when I can see a little chest hair. It's disgusting. If there's any hope of getting mom and dad back together, we've got to do it fast. I am marrying your father in two weeks, and nothing you do is going to come between us. <coughs> Hi, Mary. Hello. How you doing? Both of them? From the makers of Father of the Bride. Does everyone here know something I don't know? Yes. Dennis Quaid, Natasha Richardson, and introducing Lindsay Lohan. Her star, Sissy tonight. Mom's amazing. Don't know how you ever let her go. I wish I may. I wish I might. Have my wish come true tonight. Disney's The Parent Trap. Hi there, it's Caitlin here with WDWN2. A quick rundown of what's happening in the parks. With all of the marketing buzz around Disney's upcoming live-action Cinderella movie, I'm thrilled to announce that you can actually see Cinderella's golden carriage from the movie at Hollywood Studios. From February 1st through April 11th, it will be displayed outside the movie theater facade on the streets of America. You can also catch a sneak preview of the movie in the ABC Sound Studio from now through March 21st. How exciting is that? 
Did you know that Peter Pan's Flight now has an updated interactive queue? We've heard that it takes you straight through the Darling Family's nursery. And just a tip, watch out for mischievous shadows. Peter Pan might not be the only one who lost his. This year's Flower Power Concert Series at Epcot during the Flower and Garden Festival has now been updated and renamed to the Garden Rocks Concert Series. Performances run from March 4th through May 17th, and the lineup includes En Vogue, John Cicada, Little River Band, Starship, The Village People, as well as several others. Concerts are at 5.30, 6.45, and 8 every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. If you've been to Animal Kingdom lately, you may have noticed that Flame Tree Barbecue is being refurbished, but what you might not know is that you can still find their delicious bites in other places around the park. For a full map of where to find our favorite barbecue, check out our blog at disradio.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, don't forget, you can fly! Happy New Year to you all. Welcome to another installment of This Week in Disney History. I'm Nathan, and ready to take you through another segment's worth of historical Disney facts and potential trivia. Branching off that, let's begin. We start in shocking 1882 with Alan Alexander Milne, who was the author and creator of Winnie the Pooh, being born in London, England. Moving on to 1904, film star Cary Grant is born in Bristol, England, and he narrated Disneyland's, sorry, Disneyland's Candlelight Ceremony in 1969, 73, 74, and 78. In 1924, Lillian Bounds from Idaho, who ends up being the future wife of Walt Disney himself, starts working in the Disney studio in Hollywood. She will work for Disney as an ink and paint girl, making $15 a week, and was recommended to this job by her sister's friend, who was also an employee at the time. In 1925, actor Charles Aidman, who portrayed Mark Twain in the 1981 TV special Walt Disney, One Man's Dream, is born in Frankfurt, Indiana. 
Moving on to 1930, here was an odd situation for the Disney company. While Walt was in New York, animator Ub Iwerks informed Roy Disney that he wished to leave the Disney company as soon as possible. Roy, in a stunned state, offers Ub $5,000 for his 20% share of the company. And unbeknownst to them, at this time, Iwerks had been lured away by film distributor Pat Powers, and Powers wanted Iwerks to start an animation studio of his own. Meanwhile, Walt is actually in New York confronting Powers over more royalty money for the Mickey shorts due to the Disney Studios that they were shorted on. And also, the following day, also in 1930, Disney's resident music director Carl Stalling resigned as well. In 1936, 19-year-old Adriana Caselotti res- records her first tracks as the voice of Snow White. The recording process will take about 48 days, and her father Guido, a vocal coach, had been hired by Walt Disney to help cast parts in the studio's first animated feature, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. In 1955, the formal announcement of the new $10,000 Disneyland Hotel in Anaheim is disclosed to the press nationwide. The hotel will be developed by Rather Alvarez Hotels Incorporated and hoped to be open by August, but instead will open October 5, 1955. One year later in 56, actor, director, and singer Robbie Benson, the voice of Beast in Disney's animated Beauty and the Beast, is born in Dallas, Texas. In 1962, a mere 389 guests enter Disneyland on this very rainy day. Due to the weather, the park only stays open for three hours. In 1963, Buena Vista generally releases Disney's live-action comedy Son of Flubber to theaters, two days after its debut. In 1964, teacher-turned-major league baseball pitcher Jim Morris is born in Brownwood, Texas. His story was the subject of Disney's 2002 release of The Rookie, starring Dennis Quaid. Moving on a few years to 1977, the second episode of the new Mickey Mouse Clubhouse airs for the first time, and this episode's lesson is about self-control, in which Donald learns to control his temper in the cartoon short, Self-Control. In 1978, Junius Matthews, the voice of Rabbit for Disney's Winnie the Pooh from 1966 to 77, passes away in Los Angeles, California. In 1980, actor, screenwriter, and composer Jason Segal is born in Los Angeles, California. You may recognize Segal from hits such as the show How I Met Your Mother, as well as Disney's The Muppets Movie. In 1991, Eastern Airlines, the official airline of Walt Disney World during the 1970s, officially shuts down. Just before Walt Disney World opened in 71, Eastern established service at Orlando International and became the official airline of the Disney company, Walt Disney World specifically, through June of 1987. Starting in 72, Eastern sponsored the Tomorrowland attraction, If You Had Wings. In 1992, Beauty and the Beast wins a Golden Globe Award for Best Picture Comedy Musical, which is the first animated feature to do so. In 1997, Disney legend Adriana Caselotti, who supplied the voice and personality of Disney's first full-length cartoon heroine, Snow White dies in her home in Los Angeles, California. In 2000, Bob Iger, who was at the time the former chairman of the Disney-owned ABC company or ABC Group and president of Walt Disney International, is named president and chief operating officer of the Walt Disney Company, as well as a member of its board of directors. In 2002, Disney designers met with the director of Kennedy Space Center at Cape Canaveral to discuss a proposed space pavilion at Epcot. 
Later down the line, the pavilion, which is expected to open in 2002 or early 2003, will end up featuring interactive exhibits, shows, and the brand new e-ticket ride, Mission Space. In 2003, Disney releases 101 Dalmatians 2, Patches London Adventure, to home, video, and DVD. In 2004, Disney's animated feature, if you recall, Dave the Barbarian, debuts on Disney Channel. One year later in 2005, the new animated series American Dragon Jake Long debuts on Disney Channel with the episode Old School Training. In 2006, nearly 7.7 million viewers tuned in to watch the premiere of Disney Channel's original movie, High School Musical. In 2009, singer Jay Mayer passes away in California. Disneyland fans knew him for about 13 years in the Golden Horseshoe Review, and he was one of the singing busts as well at the Haunted Mansion attraction. In 2011, the 964-foot-long Disney Wonder arrived at its new home of port in Los Angeles. And in 2014, closing out this week, we have two facts. Spice Road Table officially opens at Epcot, which featured an authentic taste of Mediterranean at the Morocco Pavilion, which is one of my favorite pavilions. I still have cravings for Moroccan food. This restaurant also features fantastic views of World Showcase Lagoon and Illuminations Reflections of Earth. And the final fact this week, also in 2014, Sheriff Cowley's Wild West officially premiered on the Disney Junior Channel, which is set in the colorful Wild West. Sheriff Cowley's Wild West follows Sheriff Cowley, voiced by Mandy Moore, and her deputy woodpecker pack, Lucas Grabeel, as they watch over their pleasant little frontier town. Well, D-Heads, that's all again for this week in Disney history. Hope you enjoyed, and learned something maybe you didn't know. Have a great week, and see you real soon. There is nothing new under the sun, but... Under the small green fourth moon of Yavin, there is quite a different story. <laughs> Director George Lucas and 20th Century Fox present Star Wars. Luke Skywalker is on a daring mission to rescue a beautiful princess, and all he needs is a little help from his friends. Han Solo, space pirate, and Chewie, his giant Wookiee, C-3PO, human relations cyborg, and his counterpart R2-D2, and the mysterious Jedi Knight. Never before in the history of movies has so much time and technology been spent just for fun. Star Wars. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. I met him in a swamp down in Dagobah Where it bubbles all the time like a giant carbonated soda S-O-D-A soda I saw the little rent sitting there on a log I asked him his name and in a raspy voice he said Yoda Y-O-D-A Yoda
Didn't it just start to go astray? Let the force be your guide, oh my Yoda. Yo, 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 Yoda. I know Darth Vader's really got you annoyed, but remember if you kill him, then you'll be unemployed, oh my Yoda. Yo, 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 Yoda. Coming this summer to theaters everywhere. Hey, look! The motion picture event of the year. What is it? Why, it, 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 it's a girl! The 50th anniversary of Walt Disney's timeless classic, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Come celebrate with the fairest of them all, the merriest of them all, and the scariest of them all. It's the golden anniversary of Snow White, Sleepy, Doc, Bashful, happy, grumpy, dopey, and sneezy. We got a saber! Whether it's your first time or your 50th, now is the time to experience the magic Much. of the most beloved animated motion picture of all time. A true story of love story. Where we will live happily ever after. Walt Disney's classic, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Opening July 17th in 42 countries worldwide. Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And every single week, as we bring you the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, many of those are ones that you've heard in your homes, in the movie theaters, and many other places. And you know this person from many of your childhood out there. He was also the voice of CBS from the 80s and 90s. And many of you Disney fans out there know him as the voice of Disney. You know him from many trailers, featured presentations, and more. We have the one, the only, the voiceover artist himself. Mark Elliott here. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. 
you make my you make my work sound quite important, and that makes me feel very good. <laughs> well, your work is very important. I mean, for many Disney fans out there, you were the voice that they grew up with. They were the, I mean, myself included. It was one of those, I guess, staples in history. But before that, I always like to just delve deep into the past. And I guess voice acting and voiceover work. I guess what led you down that kind of road? Were you somebody that was constantly narrating teachers in class or having fun? Or I guess what led you down that road? No, uh, actually, the truth of the matter is I, I had been a, a, a disc jockey. I had been a, a, a rock and roll uh, disc jockey for, for years and uh, had just about reached my in, limit of endurance in terms of that, uh, that career. Uh, and uh, I, I, was, I was actually, uh, my girlfriend at the time was a hairstylist. And she um, she said to me one night, "Hey, I I, I cut this guy's hair today. Uh, his name is Chris Arnold, and 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 uh, uh, Chris works at a company called Kaleidoscope, and and they do um, they do these um, coming attractions things. We didn't even know the word was trailer. They do these coming attractions things you see in, in theaters, and and uh, so I mentioned you to him, and he said, "Sure, have him give me a call." So I called him the next day, and he informed me that. I had been kind of forced down his throat by my girlfriend who was pretty aggressive when she wanted to be. And uh, so he said that he had told her and he repeated to me that uh, they had they had a group of guys that they used and they sort of tailored the voice to the movie. If it was a sci-fi movie, they used one voice. If it was a drama, they used another, a musical, another, a comedy, another, a Western, another. And they had this group of guys that sort of uh, uh, were assigned to each project uh, depending on their uh, depending on the content of the movie uh and he said i said well i, I understand that if, if it's okay with you i'll uh, uh i'll call you every once in a while and and see if you have that opening and he said that'd be great and to his credit he took every call i ever placed to him and i placed a bunch and he would always answer the phone kind of laughing saying no nothing yet elliot nothing yet and so finally one day he called me and and uh he said we're um uh, we're casting uh, the voice for, for two campaigns today, uh, and he said, I'd like to hear you on both of them and see if you work. Uh, one of them was a movie called The Turning Point, which was a, uh, a drama having to do with, uh, uh, ballet and, uh, with, I think, Shirley MacLaine and Anne Bancroft, if I remember right. Uh, the other was a movie called Smokey and the Bandit, uh, which, uh, was a movie with Burt Reynolds and was, uh, in that period of time, the late 70s, uh, uh quite a successful movie. And they liked what I sounded like on the Smokey and the Bandit movie. So uh, they hired me to do the Smokey and the Bandit campaign. And that sort of kicked things off. Uh, it took a rather interesting turn rather quickly when, in the middle of doing the Smokey and the Bandit campaign, they said, hey, we've got this director that is just absolutely driving us crazy. And uh, uh, he can't decide how he wants his movie promoted. If he wants it promoted as a as a drama, as, as an adventure, as a Romantic film as a comedy, he just can't decide how he how how uh, he wants to promote the film. And if you'll work with us and and uh, do some things on spec, which means uh, you you do the spot if they like it, then they pay you for it. If not, you you don't get paid. And I said, sure, I'll 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 do that. And so we worked for about three weeks uh, until we finally got the right sound for the movie Star Wars. And. Uh, they actually used uh, another voice for all of the television and, and theatrical trailers, but they used me on all the radio uh, campaign for uh, Star Wars. 
So that was my second movie. The third was a movie called uh, uh, The Goodbye Girl, which was a romantic comedy, again, in the late 70s, and uh, that, too, was pretty successful. So through no fault of mine, or not to the credit of myself, actually, uh, those three movies were my first three movies, and they were all gigantic hits. So needless to say, that got the ball rolling very quickly. And um, uh, Disney came along about um, about three years after that. But that was that was how it happened. I I had been, as I say, a, a disc jockey for years, starting back in my my hometown at a little station called, I swear to you, K Pig, K P I G. And and what else are you going to call a little one thousand watt radio station in Iowa? But K Pig, right? <laughs> it could be K Corn, I guess, but but K Pig seemed appropriate. So that was where I got started and and uh, worked my way from. Cedar Rapids, Iowa, to Des Moines, to Cleveland, to Detroit, and then out to uh, San Francisco, and then down to Los Angeles while I was in radio. So that was also a fun portion of my life and my career. But the voiceover thing was just a, a, a colossal piece of serendipity. I mean, it really was just a, a, a wonderful example of just how things happen uh, sometimes in your life just wonderfully without you really doing anything to make them happen, although I will admit I was pretty pretty assertive when I was trying to get that first voiceover gig. But uh, So that's how it all started. <laughs> well, you know, and like you said, it's one of those serendipity moments where it, it just, everything fell into place. It's something that was meant to be, and, and they were huge successes. I mean, you know, Star Wars and, and all those films. I mean, Smoking the Bandit, too. I mean, everybody loves Smoking the Bandit. I mean, that's a great film itself. And, you know, now here you are, you went on to, you know, I guess this is this was your career. This is the part that, you know, people really got to know who you were and pretty much just knew you for all of these films. And that, like you said, a few years later, turned into Disney and became that voice of Disney. And that was early on when the Disney Channel was something new. It was something exciting and something fresh. And you were that voice. And yeah, as a matter of fact, the, the Disney Channel didn't exist. Uh, when I started working uh, for Disney, um, I, I started doing Disney, and I was I was trying to remember uh, before we made this phone connection. I was, I, I, and I, you'd really think I would know that I would remember what the first Disney movie was that I did. I remember who hired me for it. It was a guy by the name of Craig Murray, and Craig uh, was working for Disney at the time. He later um, uh, left Disney and set up his own uh, his own company, but still continued to do uh, the bulk of the, the work that Disney did in terms of uh, trailers and promotional campaigns. Um, but it was one of those situations where he heard me on a movie trailer and and contacted my agent and said, you know, I'd like to I'd like to hear what he would do in a Disney movie. And I remember it was one of the Disney classics. It was one of the the, the old Disney movies that was being re-released theatrically, which Disney did for a while. Uh, again, this was even kind of before uh, home video, and so uh, there was some there at that point in time, but it, it certainly had not become. Uh, as as pervasive as it became later, so they would re-release some of the old movies, and I, I I wish I could remember. It was either Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty, and I don't remember which one it was. But that was the that was what kind of made my connection with uh, 
with with Disney. I, I I wasn't working exclusively for Disney at the time. I was working uh, uh, for CBS. Uh, I was uh, I still had my hand in in the radio game. I was filling in for uh, Casey Kasem on American Top Forty. Uh, uh, I I so I was I I had a pretty full plate at the time, and it was it was it was fun, man. I mean, it was so <laughs> much fun. There was just every day was just full of new challenges and and new people and and uh, you know new new scripts new ideas new words. I, I, while I was doing the Disney thing, I also did some very un Disneyish uh, uh, trailers like uh, 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 for the movie Chariots of Fire. Uh, I did the trailer for Chariots of Fire. Uh, I did some really serious things, and even for Disney, when Touchstone Films uh, first became a part of the Disney family, uh, they were releasing things like Good Morning Vietnam and a Sidney Poitier movie called Shoot to Kill. Um, and and I, I did those as well. So uh, it wasn't just a question of being the Disney guy. But to be really honest, I mean, looking back over my shoulder, in retrospect, I think that that Disney connection and that Disney identification, which still exists to this day, I mean, it's it's amazing. It's been a long time since I did work for Disney. They they decided at some point in time that uh, they they had been using me for nearly 20 years, and uh, no, even more than that, actually. Well, no, it was about 20. It was about 20 years. Um, and uh, uh, they just decided that they would find a new guy, and I totally understood it. I didn't like it. But but I totally I totally you know I totally understood it, it it was time it was time that they that they freshen up their their uh, audio imagery if you will and and uh, so that was that was what happened there but that Disney that Disney connection and identification is uh, uh, something that I really treasure I mean I I truly treasure it and to this day when people of a certain age uh, hear my voice and hear me do. Uh, the, the kind of thing that I used to do for Disney, uh, such as coming this summer to a theater near you, Walt Disney's The Lion King. When they hear that, they just go, oh my gosh, that's you? And it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's just, it's just absolutely, it, it fills my heart with joy. It truly does sound so corny, but it, it, it really does, uh, to, to still have that recognition and that, and that association for people after all these years. It's like it's like one one girl said to me one day I I was shopping in a a clothing store here and there were two girls probably late teens early twenties that were that were shopping there and one of them said you have a very nice voice and I said well thank you very much that's you know that's kind of how I earn my living and they said oh really what what, what do you do do you sing what do I I said no see if you recognize this and I and I did it a little bit of the Disney thing and one of the girls said shut up. And the other girls, the other girls started to cry. And I said to her, oh my gosh, what, it was, it, I'm sorry. She said, no, she said, it's just that that voice always told me something wonderful was coming into my life. I always made the association of your voice and something really, really good that was coming soon. And she said, it, I, every time I'd hear you doing a, a, a spot on the radio or on television, I'd call my mom and I'd say, mom, he's on here again. He's telling us stuff again. You know, she said, you kind of took on a, a persona. Uh, even in my life long before this, long before I met you. So getting feedback like that is, is whoa. I mean, it's just beyond words.
it's it's just an amazing thing. Well, definitely, you know, and like you said, when it comes to, you know, from a certain age, you know, I myself, I'm close to 40 now, getting to that point, I grew up, you know, listening to your voice as well, and it's that kind of feeling where, you know, I look back and I listen to these trailers and I remember watching the Disney Channel. It's the same aspect. Um, you know, uh, the other week I was talking with Helen Reddy and I was listening back to one of the re-releases of Pete's Dragon and your voice was attached to that. And I'm like, it is so iconic in terms of, like you said, you know, it affects people in so many different ways uh, to the point where even my children know your voice just because of the classic videos and DVDs and the vintage trailers, as they call them now, you know, it's that is what they've come to know. And it's so iconic and, and stirs up so many memories and emotions for people on many different levels, whether that was family night or you're excited something new is coming out for myself. It was excitement that a new animated movie was coming out, and I wanted to be an animator so bad as a child. Did you really? Yeah. You wanted to, you wanted to actually do the artwork. Yes, I did. I was uh, all about wanting to be an animator. Did you, ever, did you ever pursue that at all? Yes, I did. I actually went to college uh, for animation and then also in advertising and marketing, and now I live in advertising and marketing and doing interviews and radio shows as well. <laughs> Actually, didn't touch didn't touch animation at all because by the time I graduated, Toy Story came out and that changed everything. Yes, yeah, didn't it? I mean, talk about talk about it. Uh, I mean, just a a signature moment in time. That movie just changed everything. Uh, it was. I still think that that's. That's one of my favorite uh, Disney projects, and of course, at that time it was Pixar. But but uh, uh, I, I still think that 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 movie uh, just resonates with me. That and The Lion King, and then one of the first movies that I saw when I was a little kid. And uh, I, I still, if, if, as a matter of fact, if you um, if you find the the trailer for Bambi uh, online when when Bambi was uh, re released again, I think theatrically, but maybe it was on on video. Um, but, uh, uh, when I recorded the, the, the video for, or the, uh, uh, trailer for, for Bambi, I had a really nasty cold. I had a really bad cold and I had called them and said, listen, I've got this cold. If you want to, you know, if you want to, if you, if you have the, the, the time to put this off for a day or two, I'm sure this will pass. And they said, no, we got to get these things done. They've got to be finished. Uh, you know, come in, we'll try to fix whatever the problem is. We'll try to fix it in the equalization of the, of the spot and everything. So I went in and as a result of having this cold, uh, my voice was very, was very deep and very, very warm. I mean, just really, really warm. It didn't sound nasal. It sounded just incredibly warm and empathetic to this little deer. And uh, uh, it, it, somewhere online, that, that trailer still exists. They all still exist somewhere. But uh, uh, that, that trailer, if, if you ever hear the Bambi trailer uh, when it was re-released or on home video, uh, it, it, it's me with a terrible cold. And I'm barely recognizable, and I sound great. I think I, think I should have arranged to have a cold for the rest of my career. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when it, when it comes to many of these, you know, trailers and, and stories like this, you know, like you said, such as Bambi, were there ever any, I guess, trailers or moments where it just seemed impossible to get it right, where you just were like, all right, I got to get through this one. And then when you go back and you listen to it, it came out just beautiful and wonderful. Uh, yeah, well, it, it, there was one, there was one moment and it was a Disney movie. It was not an animated movie. It was a movie with Alec Baldwin called The Marrying Man. And uh, it was uh, it, it, this was one of the strangest 
moments in my career because the the the, the the commercial or the the trailer said something about the the script said something about uh he's always been an independent guy and then he said a line and then i said but now and then he said a line and i said he's got some explaining to do uh so so that was that was kind of the 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 heart of of this commercial the but now <laughs> became so problematic because they wanted it read with a certain amount of wryness, a certain amount of, you know, like, I know something you don't know, but now, that kind of thing. But there was less than a second to do it. I think it, I think it was like uh, 27, 26, 27 frames uh, to, actually, uh, to actually do that, but now. We worked on that and worked on that, and we, we, we did it. I, I swear to you, Jonathan, we must have done that. We must have done but now 200 times. And <laughs> we did it every way. And that was over three different sessions. We would, we would, we would finish one session. They would say, okay, we think we got it. Then they would take it back and they go, food, but now still doesn't work. So they booked me again and I would come in and we would do nothing but, but now for a half an hour. And then, and then they would take it back and go, oh, no, see, it still doesn't have that feeling of, and they would book me again to come in. So that, that was the only time that, that I can remember just going, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. I don't, I have no <laughs> idea what other way there is to say these two syllables and do it in less than a second. You know, it was, it was frustrating, but it was also kind of funny because the truth of the matter is they had to pay me every time I came back in. So, you know, I was not, I was not complaining at all. It was just a very strange time to have that, that little two word speed bump in my career road, you know, that, that I just didn't seem to be able to do the way they wanted it to sound. But it, the movie turned out to be not a particularly successful movie anyway. So it was probably because I didn't say, but now, right. <laughs> well, you know, and, and it's, it's just funny because you have this, you know, you have that, I guess, that warm hearted, that airy feel, um, you know, you have that upbeat, that, that kind of, uh, I guess, when you do trailers, it is that that fun thing. And that brings me to, you know, uh, you were in a 1997 short film, Five Men in a Limo with voice actors. And that just had me just laughing because you have very serious and then you come in with Disney quotes and, you know, you're skipping at the end. Uh, how did that come about? That was a company out here by the name of Aspect Ratio. And uh, they had been assigned uh, the task of doing an introduction to an awards show out here called the Key Art Awards. And it was... Um, uh, it was an award show for specifically people who do trailers and and print work for uh, for the film industry, and uh, so they got together, as you say, five of us um, plus actually one. Hal Douglas was was on the phone for a brief period of time, but uh, uh, and we spent the day. Uh, Don LaFontaine, who uh, I think probably everybody knew when when Don was uh, alive unfortunately he no longer is but um don had a limo that he traveled from session to session in don was enormously successful and enormously popular and a great guy and uh he had a limo and a, a limo driver by the name of clinton so the people at aspect ratio went to uh went to don and said uh here's a thought we have for a way that we could introduce the show and make this little video 
And so they did. And it was unscripted. Uh, it was, uh, it was just five, uh, Don in his limo with Clinton driving around and picking up the other four of us who made up the five guys. And, uh, and it was, it was a hoot. I mean, I don't know that I've ever had a day that was more fun. They had all the other guys dressed in tuxedos because they're all the real, you know, but now they would know how to do but now, but you know, coming soon in a world. They had they had all those other voices that were kind of in that range, and then they had me. And since I was not really in that range, they had me dress in a very uh, in, in like a pastel yellow sweater and very casual, uh, so that I was in contrast not only in sound but in appearance to the rest of the the, the, the four guys in the limo. <laughs> and um, so yeah, so I mean they 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 just gave us an idea of what they would kind of like us to communicate. And we did, and oh my gosh, it was fun. That was just a great day. We really had a really had a good time that day. And that that video has taken on a life of its own. Uh, uh, that was probably, I'd say, probably 15 years ago now, maybe a little more. I I, I don't really remember exactly when that happened. But uh, recently, I was on a, a flight. Uh, from Chicago to Denver, and I was sitting by uh, a, a guy from uh, Brighton, England, and uh, he was on his way to Denver to be the best man in his brother's wedding. And he said to me about midway through the flight, he said, I just have this weird feeling that I know you. And I said, geez, I, I've been in Brighton, but I said, it's been years, decades since I've been <laughs> in Brighton. I, 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 I don't know how that could possibly be. And he said, were you in that he proceeded to describe this video? And I said, how do you know about that? And he said, oh, a friend of mine called it to my attention. I've played it for about a dozen of my friends. He said, we all get a big kick out of it. And I thought, now here it is 15 years after the fact, and here's this guy from Brighton, England, telling me he's seen five men in a limo. And I just thought, how bizarre life is. It's just so strange. I was going to say, and that's and that's the kind of thing too now where it it took a life of its own. It's a fond memory for you, and it is circulating everywhere. And you know, I have to say, my favorite part of the entire video was when everyone's dozing off because you're rattling off all the Disney movies and people behind the films, and then as soon as they wake up, you start back in again. I'm... <laughs> it was it was a great moment. <laughs> yeah, that was that was fun. That was hard. To, that was hard to do with a straight face. I mean, I really, I really was on the verge of losing it there. But yeah, that was that was that was great fun. That was really uh, that was really fun. And and it is, you know, it, Jonathan, it's it's such a uh, it's such a wonderful way to have made a living. Uh, it was it was lucrative for me. I I I was I, I was lucky enough to to to, to make a, a substantial living at it. And and uh, and even now. There, there was a movie out about a year and a half ago called In a World, and it was about the voiceover business. And it was about, it was a fictional story written by, uh, the, the star of the movie, Lake Bell. She wrote it, she directed it, and, and she starred in the movie. And it was about a, a, a female voiceover person, and there are not a lot, and I've never quite understood why there are so few successful female voiceover artists. There are some extremely 
talented voiceover women, uh, but they have a real hard time breaking through. And I, I don't know why that is. I just don't know what it is. But uh, uh, so she wanted to cast in this movie about the voiceover business. She wanted to cast some actual voiceover people. And so she she had a bunch of us come in and read for her, and she picked three of us. She picked a guy by the name of Joe Cipriano, a guy by the name of Mark Grau, and myself. And so we're in that movie. I'm in I'm I'm, I'm in it for about a minute and eight seconds or something like that. But but I'm in it, and it's 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 a very fun. If you have not seen it, it's a it's a very funny movie uh, uh, about the voiceover industry. I didn't think it would be particularly successful because I didn't think that many people would care about voiceover people and, and the business of voiceover. Uh, I, w- I was wrong. It, 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 it did very well. She made it on a shoestring. Uh, she said she called in favors from every friend that she had in the business, and she had uh, uh, Cameron Diaz and Eva Longoria and, and Gina Davis uh, all in it for cameo appearances. Uh, so I think the word got out that it was uh, a fun movie, and it, and it truly is. It's very funny. It is R-rated, uh, but it's 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 a very funny film. And uh, if you ever get a chance, I think you'd enjoy it if you haven't seen it already. Definitely, I would definitely encourage that film for all of our listeners out there. I have seen the film, and it, you know, I know exactly where you're talking about where you were in the film too. You know, during a mix and mingle at the party and some other things in there. But it is. It's a fantastic film. Like you said, it takes this great, unique look at, uh, you know, a female trying to break through. And I will say at the end, it does have a a nice little, I guess, moral and twist all in the same. So it it doesn't really define anything. It just kind of opens up the door even more. But it's a fantastic film. Yeah, I uh, I tracked it. Of course, I was interested in it, and uh, I think it got at its at its highest point. I think it was the twenty uh, third uh, biggest movie in the country, uh, uh, you know, judging by box office, uh, and that's not bad for an independent film that didn't get a whole lot of promotion. Uh, and and it was interesting to me again the people who came came out of the woodwork, so to speak. Uh, uh, and called me and said, oh, my gosh, I just saw this movie, and you were in it. People I hadn't seen or, 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 or talked to for, for years. I mean, people like uh, a woman who, who was my home decorator when I bought my house, and she came in and redecorated my house. I hadn't seen her in 20 years, and she called me up, and she said, she said Ralph, my husband, Ralph, she said, Ralph and I just saw, just saw you last night, uh, and this movie is really great. People at the gym are coming up to me and saying, <laughs> "So it's it's it, it again. It's one of those things again, pure serendipity." And I keep coming back to that word. It's one of my favorite words, and it kind of defines my life. It's just sort of the way things have gone for me. I have been one lucky son of a gun. I just have had a, a, a wonderful life, and everything everything has been, you know, well, obviously not everything, but but the vast majority of things that, that have happened to me have been so positive and so good and so fun that uh, uh, it's 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 a good place to be, you know. As I get into my as I get into my later years, it's. It's a good feeling to have to look back and go, damn, that was fun. And definitely, especially with, you know, everything you've done so far, as opposed to, you know, I've talked with many different people. But the one thing that I think really stands out is, you know, with your voiceover work and everything you've done, it is that that element and that thing where you can pass it on to all generations. You don't have to wait till they're 18 to show them a specific trailer or things like that. It is something that the whole family sits down. They watch it. You are a part of that legacy. 
and everybody can enjoy it on all levels. And that is something that is hard to accomplish in today's society. Well, it is. And, uh, you know, again, I probably, you know, I probably could have been, uh, I, I mean, again, uh, it could have happened that I would turn out to be like the voice of the Playboy channel or something like that. And of course, <laughs> that would have been, that would have been something else altogether and something nowhere near as fulfilling. But, uh, you know, to do, to do the Disney stuff, to do the CBS stuff at a time that CBS was, was extremely popular. I did, uh, I did trailers or, or uh, promos for, uh, 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 television shows on CBS for, for almost 20 years. And, uh, it was a time when they were extremely popular with, with shows like, uh, Murphy Brown and Cagney and Lacey and, and, uh, Magnum PI and, and things of that sort. Uh, and it was, it was, a, a, again, a great time to be in that. It, it, it's funny how looking, again, with the, with the benefit of, of looking back over my shoulder at how things happened, I left radio or radio left me, whichever, uh, at about the time that radio was changing, it was no longer really a, 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 a local entity. It had become quite corporate, and uh, the, the, the uh, uh, rules regulating the number of stations that could be owned by one, any one entity uh, had been changed, and now you had one company owning in one market, you know, three, four, five radio stations in the same market, uh, which takes away all of the uh, competition factor and all of the impetus to be really good and really excel at what you do to beat the other stations. If the other stations are also owned by the same company, then beating them is not necessarily a good thing. Um, so, so I left radio just as that was changing. Voiceover, kind of the same thing. Uh, the, the the technology involving voiceover has changed a lot. People uh, don't go out to studios to record as much anymore. Some, but very rarely. Most people who are working a lot have studios in their home, and they can be set up in their home for five, six, eight grand at the at the most with all the bells and whistles. So it's not an expensive thing, and it pays for itself in short order. Uh, if you are if you are busy, if you're if you're working a lot, it's a good thing to do. Um, so I I loved the social aspect of doing what I did for a living, going from one studio to another, working with different producers and different directors and different uh, sound technicians. Uh, I, I love that. I love just going out and hanging out. And that isn't a part of that business so much anymore. And so, you know, again, just purely by luck, I sort of phased out of doing that about the time it, it lost a lot of what had made it so much fun for me for so long. Um, so again, we get back to serendipity. I, it's it's just it, it's all timing, isn't it? I mean, everything everything in life is 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 dependent on timing. You can have the the best idea and the best talent and everything in the world, but if nobody is is ready to hear the idea or recognize the talent, it doesn't matter. Definitely, you know. And one thing, like you said, serendipity. Uh, one of the things that I like to look at it as is you are the voice of Disney. You are the voice of so many different things, and you know also hand-drawn animation, which Toy Story did change it all. But, you know, the last trailer you did for Disney was Home on the Range, which at the time was supposed to be their last hand-drawn animated feature. So I thought it's fitting. It's very fitting to have the voice of Disney with that last animated classic at the time. Yeah, I I really had, I mean, I, I thought that was a cute movie. I thought it was, I thought it was a really fun movie. And I really kind of had in, in the back of my mind some real hope that this would kickstart 
uh, a new campaign to get uh, hand-drawn animation uh, back in the saddle and and uh, and make it uh, make it popular again. It did not do well, so it 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 just didn't work out that way. But uh, uh, yeah, that's 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 interesting. That that is very interesting. That that would have been the last uh, the, the the last project that I was associated with Disney on. I mean, I still do. I still do some things for Disney. Uh, very, very rarely. They'll, they'll have. I audition for Disney a lot, uh, but uh, I don't. I don't get a lot of uh, a lot of the work. I mean, th- there is a different sound. Uh, there is a you know there is is a sound that I have that is kind of, to be honest, a little uh, a little bit of a dinosaur. Uh, it's 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 a it's an announcer sound. And now they go more for natural voices, natural reads, guys next door kind of kind of thing. They're 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 not interested in in hearing. As a matter of fact, almost every script that I that I audition on uh, in the direction on the script, it will say no announcers, please. Uh, and so th- there is a there is a definite uh, trend away from that professional uh, polished sound. Uh, and towards something that is a little bit more, I think they think relatable, and I think that there probably is some is some validity to that. I think that you know when you see when you see flow on 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 TV for um, progressive, uh, when you see uh, um, uh, I forget the girl's name, uh, I don't think I've ever known that does the AT and T commercials. Um, they they're very natural. Now they're on camera. But they would, if they were off camera, they would also sound very natural. And so they're looking, I think, more for that. And, and that is something that unfortunately I just can't do. I talk the way I talk. And, and when I try to sound natural, I sound bored. So that's not a good thing. <laughs> that's, that's not a good thing at all. Well, I look at it this way. If Disney fans are nothing but loyal and if they have their way at some point, they're going to get Disney to bring you back, even if it's for that one feature, because fans have a way of changing their mind every so often. Yeah, you're right. And and I've had other people make that observation to me. A lot of people have said, you know, that their their hope would be if they did something that was that was real old school or if they did go back and begin re-releasing. I mean, one of the reasons that I think Disney made the decision to stop using me is because I had been the voice that had led people into the theater to see, well, I, I, I won't say I led them in, but I, you know, I, I had been the voice that reminded people what was in the theater. Then I reminded them what was on VHS. Then I reminded them what was on DVD. And about the time that it went, you know, about the time that it went to, to, to high definition or whatever, uh, all of a sudden it became, they, they just said, you know, we just have to find another voice. This guy has been selling our product and, and doing it well. And I know they thought that. I, I know that they were, they were very appreciative. And oh my gosh, they were good to me. Geez, they were, they were so good to me. Uh, made me feel so much a part of the Disney family. Uh, there was a period of time where uh, and I, I think I won't mention names, but but one of the one of the uh, uh, the, the key people at Disney had left to form another studio uh, here in Los Angeles with some other people, and he had been uh, one of my one of my real fans at Disney, and so when he left, they in a demonstration of either how much they wanted to frustrate him or how much they valued me, and I'm not sure which one it was, but they put me under exclusive contract. I had not been under contract 
to, to Disney for forever. I had never I had never been under contract to them. It was a job to job kind of uh, kind of arrangement, and they put me under contract for, if memory serves, three years. Uh, so that uh, he couldn't come back and steal me for this uh, for this new studio, uh, and and I mean that's the kind of appreciation that they showed me and respect that they showed me toward the end of my association with Disney. It was really interesting. They they would not send a lot of times. They would not even send a producer to the session because they would just send over the script, and they just sort of knew that I had been doing it for long enough. That I would know how to do it. I would know, and and I am my own worst critic, and uh, I I won't send anything in or submit anything that I think is not is not as good as it can possibly be. So they trusted in that, and they sort of uh, uh, just turned me loose and let me do sort of my own producing. Not always, but but on some projects uh, they would they would they would do that, and I was. I was very, I was very flattered by that. I was, uh, you know, very impressed by the fact that they had that much confidence in me. Definitely, you know, and like you said, it's the kind of thing where being under contract like that too, it just solidified how much they wanted to use you and how much you had become a staple with the company. I would like to say that, not so much antagonizing the uh, person that had left. <laughs> we'll never know, will we? <laughs> I, I, I like the way you think, though. I'll go with you on that. <laughs> You know, now in looking back, you know, so many great things, you know, like I said, you've played such a large part in many people's lives, so many different trailers, and you know, you've done so many different things other than just Disney, you know, many other trailers, especially even, uh, you know, children's films like The Swan Princess, The Page Master, Little Nemo, I mean, so many different, I guess, films and trailers and generations, I guess with that said, you know, passing it down, I guess with, with that, like I said, I pass it down to my children, and they're familiar with your voice, I guess looking back at this, is there any I guess television program or movie trailer or any one of those that is the one where you're like that is the one that I will remember until forever that is that is the one that is the one that's going to be the the key the golden key in my memoirs book well as much as as much as I I, I do feel the affection for and the affinity with uh, Disney I think the movie for me would be Chariots of Fire that was the first time that I ever did something that was very dramatic. And, well, it wasn't the first time. I had done other things like A Little Princess and, and uh, some other things over the years. But, but this was the first time that I had done something and that won an Academy Award. So, I mean, that was, that was a source of great pride for me. As far as Disney is concerned, I think probably the, 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 the one that I always use when somebody says, let me hear how you sound, let me hear what, what you do. I always use The Lion King because that was such a, uh, such a seminal movie and, and, uh, uh, and in terms of, of, of TV promos, I think probably the one, and I worked at, at one point in time for all four of the networks. Uh, I worked for ABC and NBC and Fox, but mostly for CBS. And I think the one that um, the one that that I remember again because it was such an enormously popular show and was viewed by so many people was doing the promo for the last episode of Mash. Uh, that was that was to me. We did it in a different sort of way. It wasn't a traditional promo read. We did it like, uh, if you'll recall in the series, there were always these announcements being made over the sound system uh, at the MASH uh, facility, and we did it as though I was that guy, that I was making, a, that I was making an announcement uh, of the closing of the MASH, uh, the, the MASH facility, and, and uh, 
it, it was it was it was fun to do because it was unique and it was different. And again, because the show turned out to be one of the most watched television shows ever, I, I have great pride in, in having been the guy that did those promos. Definitely. And like you said, with MASH, that is one of the cherished television episodes in history that, you know, it goes down as, you know, in that in that top 20 of television so series finales and shows that everybody remembers. That final episode of MASH is definitely one that, I mean, who, who doesn't forget the helicopter pulling away and seeing the rock? spelling out goodbye i mean it's it's monumental exactly i mean just yeah just one of those things it, it just makes the hair stand up on my arms even thinking about it i i i yeah it was it was it was a miraculous series and and could not have finished better i mean they talk about the conclusions to shows you know both good uh the bob newhart and and bad seinfeld uh they, they you know they talk about the final episodes uh but i don't think any will ever match that last episode of mash that that show had so much good it had so much goodwill associated with it and so much so much affection for the characters and familiarity with the characters uh that it was uh it was emotional that was that was really emotional watching that show end now i guess you know aside from many of the different trailers and many things you do one of the things you touched base upon was of course you know being able to talk with people going into a studio and you know that was a different dynamic uh, you know in the way the studios used to work like you said a lot of people just have you know pop-up studios or full studios built in their homes and with that i guess have you ever worked with anybody or uh any one person that you just felt that that connection with it was just the most enjoyable time that you look back whether that was another voice actor or a producer or director where you just you felt that connection and it's just the greatest moment that you still remember no uh not not really i mean i was lucky enough to work with uh some wonderful people some 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 really uh wonderful people that i worked for and that i worked with uh and uh if 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 i if i search for a moment that that kind of stays with me i referenced don lafontaine earlier and and uh uh don the first time i met don first time i met don he was not doing voiceovers he was working for paramount and he directed me uh uh doing uh, a session uh for I think it was All the Right Moves, the Tom Cruise movie. I'm not sure. I don't remember for sure what the movie was. But um, he directed me, and frankly, we did not get along. We, there, was, there was just some – there was just – we just didn't connect. It was on a Saturday. They had called me in on a Saturday to do – and normally I didn't work Saturdays, but uh, they, they called me in on a Saturday to, to do this session. And Don and I just did not click. Then Don started doing voiceover – he started taking work from me, so that was not conducive to making us close friends either. But but eventually, I spent enough time with him to know that this was a man with a wicked sense of humor, and with a tremendous amount of compassion. I was at his wedding. Uh, I, I we 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 became very good friends, and. There was one moment when I was going into a, 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 I was just leaving a session, and he was just coming in at the studio to do uh, to do a session of his own, and it was right before Christmas, and he stopped me and he said, um, "Have you got a minute?" And I said, "Actually, not much time." I said, "I've got another job," and he said, "All I'm doing is just a couple of tags." He said, let me go do the tags. He said, you like music, right? And I said, music is my drug of choice. I mean, if you could see, Jonathan, the room that I'm sitting in right now, which is my office, 
Uh, I've got uh, probably 9,000 CDs and maybe 4,000 old vinyl albums uh, all in this room. So uh, music is my drug of choice. I, I love music. I love music. Just about any kind. Well, anyway, so Don said, you, you, you like music. I said, oh, Don, I love music. And he said, wait for me. He said, I won't be long. He said, I got something I want you to hear. So we went down to his limo uh, after he was finished, and he popped in a, a, a CD of this uh, Romanian uh, soprano named Inissa Galante. And uh, he played um, Ave Maria. And uh, it was un believable i mean I, I i love that song anyway i love that uh, that melody I, I no matter which ave maria it is uh but uh, uh this particular one just absolutely stunned me it was so pretty and so after it finished i said don i don't know what to say that was magic and he said i knew you'd like it and he ejected it from the cd player put it back in the jewel case and handed it to me and said merry christmas and I just thought that was so cool. I just thought that was you know, such a such a generous, thoughtful thing for him to do, to have that awareness of how much music, how much of a part music plays in my life, and and then to 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 act on that in presenting me with this with this wonderful CD, which I still play. And like you said, it's one of those things where it blossomed into a friendship. You know, I I had the same kind of thing where one of my best friends. Uh, we didn't like each other so much in the beginning, so it's fantastic. Now, you know, we know, you, you know, that we could talk for hours about so many different things, uh, so many different aspects of your career. Uh, you know, voiceover techniques, so many different directions it could go. But you know, we don't want to keep you too long. But I guess in looking back, retrospect at everything you've done, and all of your fans out there, and all the people you've affected, is there any lasting words you'd like to leave out there for all of our listeners out there, where you've played a part in their life, and as I said before, even myself, where I'm passing it on to my children. Well, I, you know, I'm I'm no sage. Uh, I, I I don't pretend to have any uh, any advice or anything that would improve people's lives. But I will say that as I've gotten older, I tend to read more articles and pay more attention to uh, that type of of uh, that type of information. And I have found I read fairly recently about five things that contribute to a person's life, particularly as they're getting older, but at any point in their life, the five things that, 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 that make life worth living. And, 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 and the, the first one is a, a social life, a circle of friends, a reason to leave your home, a reason to go places, to look forward to spending time with people. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm very fortunate in that I have that. Uh, uh, music, strangely enough, has been proven to be very, very, uh, uh, important to maintaining a, a good frame of mind. It's, it's, it's proving to have, uh, a, a lot of impact in, uh, research into dementia and Alzheimer's. Uh, music seems to be helpful in, in, in that time in the person's life. Laughter, and I think that I probably would put that at the top of the list for me. I, uh, a day without laughter is is not a day that I particularly care to hang around for. Um, as a matter of fact, there is um, well, I, I'll, I'll save this for, for after I'm finished. Um, animals, uh, pets, uh, and and they seem to be they seem to be uh, uh, very helpful to people in maintaining a, a positive attitude and and an appreciation for their life. And uh, children, uh, younger people. Uh, you know, that, that you can spend time with that will give you 
uh, insight into what's important to them uh, that might be something that you didn't, that wasn't even around for you at the time that, that you were their age. Uh, I, my, my, my best friends here in California live down in Redondo Beach, which is just south of, of the Los Angeles area, and um, they've got three kids, uh, Ava, Michael, and Jack. Ava's 14, Michael is 10, uh, 12, and, and Jack is 10. And uh, these kids are, I just spent the day with them yesterday out at Universal Studios, as a matter of fact. Um, these kids are, are, are so important to me and, and bring so much energy, so much energy into my life. So, you know, for what it's worth, uh, those five things resonate with me as a way to really have a life that is, that is truly good, that is truly, truly good. And uh, uh, what I was going to say about laughter, uh, there was a um, uh, Paul Mazursky, who was a, a film director, passed away some time ago. And I, I saved this out of his, uh, out of his uh, bi- biography or, or obituary in the uh, in the L.A. Times, and he said, and this is the way it ends, and I love this, he says, this is a direct quote, he says, I find it impossible to spend much time with someone who doesn't have a real sense of humor, he told People Magazine. Humor is not just a way of looking at life, it's the way you experience things. Nobody lives life free of pain, but you can get past the pain with humor. It's what separates me from some very nice people who simply don't get the joke. And I thought, yes, you know, somebody, somebody put into words the, exactly the way I feel about laughter. It is just so important. It is so important. And I, I have unfortunately seen people in my life who lost that, who lost that ability to find humor in situations and their life in, inevitably spiraled and, and, and went out of control and did not end well. So boy, to me, that's, you know, again, it has nothing to do with voiceover. It has nothing to do with trailers. It has nothing to do with Disney. But it is, if, if somebody came to me and said, how do you do this? You know, what do you think is the right way to get this, get through this? That's what I would say, those five things. Definitely. You know, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's not always about the work. It's about living life to the fullest. And laughter, as they always say, is the best medicine for everything. Absolutely. I, I, that's, more than just a, that's more than just a tired old uh, say, uh, saying. It's, it's, it is absolutely true. Absolutely true. I had uh, – uh, never mind. I, I, no, I, I was going to talk about something else. But, uh, so anyway, yeah, so that's, 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 what, uh, so that's, that's, how I see, that's how I see things at this point in my life. Definitely. You know, well, you know, Mark, it was our pleasure having you stop in, share all these moments with us, talk with all of our listeners out there and playing such a part for, you know, many people's lives and being that voice that really resonates as that one fan told you once something that is definitely, I guess you knew something good was something, something happy, something positive and something for the family. So thank you for all those memories and for everybody out there listening in. And thanks for once again for stopping in. Jonathan, it was my great, great pleasure. Thank you so much, and I hope we can do this again maybe sometime. This is a story of two men who run. Not to run, but to prove something to the world. They will sacrifice anything to achieve their goals, except their honor. Received unanimous critical acclaim. 
Majestic, masterful, triumphant, and joyful, says the Los Angeles Times. The New York Times calls it rousing and invigorating. ABC TV says you'll be riveted, enthralled, and you'll cheer like crazy. It's for everyone, says Newsweek. And the New York Daily News promises it will lift your spirits to a new high. Chariots of Fire. of heaven where the animals aren't just animals they're family here have an apple don't go near any luau's though walt disney pictures presents home on the range featuring new music from the composer of the little mermaid and beauty and the beast and songs performed by katie lang bonnie Raitt, and tim mcgraw say girls got milk well if it isn't the phony express i'm sorry pearl they're gonna auction off patch of heaven Alameda Slim. Just one more purchase and the whole dang territory belongs to me. Luckily, I got it. They have a plan. We go nab that Alameda Slim and use the reward money to save the farm. What is this, the frozen food section? Next spring. Where do you think you're going? It's hero time. Walt 
Disney Pictures presents. This town rocks. Buck. He must be taking stupid lessons from that buffalo. Rico. Sorry. The girls. We don't eat meat. It's kind of like a professional courtesy. And Alameda Slim. I think these cows got it in for me. Go, cowgirl. In a story of courage. There's stew meat. Teamwork. Move on, bounty hunters. Now I've seen everything. And utter madness. Yeah, they're real. Quit staring. Disney's Home on the Range. On April 2, Bust a Move. <laughs> Who put this here? Hey there, D-Heads. Paige here with an all-new Magical Music Review. I'm really excited about this week's guest star. Mark Elliott, the voice of Walt Disney Entertainment for 24 years, is talking to Jonathan. Mr. Elliott was as much a part of my childhood as any Disney character. He was on all of my VHS tapes and so many of my DVDs in the previews that I just couldn't decide what to look at this week. I asked my sister Corinne for help. She, like me, remembers Mr. Elliott on our movies. He actually recorded the preview for her favorite movie, Peter Pan. Coming to video in 1998, one of your favorite movies of all time, Walt Disney's 14th animated masterpiece, Peter Pan. Come on, let's go. It's the adventure of a lifetime for some of Disney's most beloved characters. Peter Pan, Wendy, John, Michael, and Tinkerbell as they take on the most notorious villain ever, Captain Hook in Neverland. We've got him this time. Say your prayers, Hook! This classic tale is available in a brand new, fully restored, limited edition. This spring, Disney's 14th animated classic flies onto video. Hooray! Peter Pan, coming to video in March 1998. As Mr. Elliot said, Peter Pan was Walt's 14th animated film. It was released in 1953. The score was composed by Disney veteran Oliver Wallace, who started with the Disney Company in 1940 with Dumbo. He composed for more than 100 shorts and five animated films. The songs themselves were written by Sammy Kahn and scored by Sammy Fain. It is quite common to find at least one Peter Pan song on a compilation CD that Disney releases, so one doesn't need to be familiar with the film to know the songs. With all that said, though, Let's think any merry little thought and take the second start of the right to Neverland with the music of Peter Pan. Let's start right at the beginning of the film, shall we? The main title for Peter Pan is entitled The Second Star to the Right. Sung by the Judd Conlon Choir, we have a beautiful example of the choirs commonly heard in the earlier Disney classics. We have them all, the basses, the tenors, the sopranos, and the altos. We also have a lovely soloist. The choir was led by Judd Conlon, a music arranger for the Disney Company. His credits also include Alice in Wonderland and Babes in Toyland. We have a great orchestra backing our choir, and the choir is also joined by the Mellow Men, who we talked about last time with 101 Dalmatians. Now, take a listen to the Judd Conlon Choir and the Mellow Men and enjoy this lovely ensemble.
star to the right shines in the night for you. To tell you that the dreams you planned really can come true. The second star to the right shines with a light so rare. And if it's Neverland you need, this light will be. Twinkle, little star, so we'll know where you are. Gleaming in the skies above, lead us to the land we dream of. And when our journey is through, each time we say goodnight, we'll take a short break from the choir, we turn to Wendy. Voiced by Catherine Beaumont, who also voiced Alice in Alice in Wonderland, Wendy has a sweet song that she sings to her brothers and a lost voice. Your Mother and Mine is Wendy's way of reminding her brothers about their mother, but it also is her way of telling the lost boys about what a mother is. Our instrumentation is much softer than Second Star to the Right, giving the song almost a lullaby quality. Our strings and woodwinds are the most prominent as the lower voices serve as the undertone. An interesting fact about Miss Beaumont, she actually continued to voice Alice and Wendy until 2005, when Peter Pan was turning 52. Sit and close your eyes and listen to Wendy sing this beautiful well, song. Well, a mother, a real mother, is the most wonderful person in the world. She's the angel voice that bids you good night, kisses your cheek, whispers sleep tight. Your mother and mine Your mother and mine The helping hand that guides you to the choir and on to what is probably the most popular and well-known song from Peter Pan. Now, to get to Neverland, you can't walk, drive, or sail. 
You can, however, fly. You Can Fly is sung by Bobby Discroll, our Peter Pan, Catherine Brumont, Paul Collins, also known as John, and Tommy Lusky, or Michael. We even have Tinkerbell in The Sound of Bells. Our characters sing the first half of the song, and as they take off for Neverland, the Judd Conlon Choir and the Mellomen take over for them. Our instrumentation has the melody of wonder and excitement. It's light, which adds to the charm of the song. With the higher voices in the instruments more prominent, we still have our lower voices in the instrumentation in the background. The choir itself has features for the women and for the men. An instrumental version of this song is commonly heard when walking around Fantasyland. One of my personal favorites in the Disney songbook, enjoy! But Peter, how do we get to Neverland? Fly, of course! Fly? It's easy! You think of a wonderful thought! Any happy little thoughts? Uh-huh! Like toys at Christmas? Sleigh bells? Snow? Yep! Watch me now! Here I go! It's easier than pie. He can fly! He can fly! He flew! Now you try. I'll think of a mermaid lagoon. Oh, underneath a magic moon. I'll think I'm in a pirate's cave. I'll think I'll be an Indian brave. Now everybody try. One, two, three. We can fly! We can fly! We can won't do. What's the matter with you? All it takes is faith and trust. Oh, and something I forgot. Dust. Dust? Dust. Yup. Just a little bit of pixie dust. Now, think of the happiest things. It's the same as having wings. Let's all try it just once more. Look, we're rising off the floor. Jim and me. Oh, my. We can fly. You can fly. We can fly. Come on, everybody. Here we go. <laughs> off to Neverland. <laughs> Think of snow, think of sleigh bells, off you go like reindeer in the sky. You can fly, you can fly, you can fly. Think of the happiest things, it's the same as having wings. Take the path that moonbeams make. If the moon is still awake, you'll see him wink his eye. You can fly, you can fly, you can fly. You can fly. Goodbye, 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 goodbye. 
is, Wendy. Second star to the right and straight on till morning. When there's a smile in your heart, there's no better time to start. Think of all the joy you'll find when you leave the world behind and bid your cares goodbye. You can fly, you can fly, you can fly, you can fly, you can fly. And with that, we come to a close for this week. I hope you all have enjoyed this latest installment of the Magical Music Review. I'll see you back for another dive into my music library. Until next time, D-Heads, see ya! Greetings from your old voice actor pal, Corey Burton. <laughs> and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Toward the second star to the right, and straight on till morning, there's a land you've always believed in. A boy who's never grown up and an all-new adventure waiting to begin. Walt Disney Pictures presents Peter Pan in Return to Neverland. Hello, Wendy. Punish me! Oh, no, I'm not Wendy. I'm her daughter, Jane. Come on now, don't fuss. Cast off, you mangy dogs! I've got a little surprise for you, Peter Pan. For me? Did you miss me, Captain? Come here and fight like a man! You should have seen Hook's face when I... Ow! Peter Pan? Tinkerbell? I guess it. I'm dreaming. You're not real. If you're Wendy's daughter, you're gonna love it here. Walt Disney Pictures presents an all-new adventure starring Peter Pan. Game's over, Hook. Say your prayers, Peter Pan. In a story about faith. How will I ever get back home? Trust. The only way out of here is to fly. I can't fly. And pixie dust. I've got to try. Peter Pan. Peter Pan in Return to Neverland. Okay, Tink, let her have it. Oh, my siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Required voice identification. EC82. Hey gang, it's me again, Jason. Welcome back down here to The Vault, where I bring you the best in Disney Blu-ray and DVD. Today is no exception. As most of you have been probably reading on the blogs, or looking elsewhere, or just having a conversation with me, or just enforcing that or one more time, at the house, we've actually been going through The Vault itself, particularly going through the original Disney classics. I add the twist. Are you shocked? I've also been including the direct-to-DVD sequels that were created in the late 1990s and the early 2000s. Some may think they're great, some may question why they were even made, and some just don't even realize that they're there. Well, you can probably guess where I am by where we're going today. 
I've pulled out and actually just recently watched again. I don't know how many times I have, because actually I really enjoy this one. Peter Pan's Return to Neverland. Duh. <laughs> well, seriously, we're going to really enjoy this one and take a look at what makes, at least my opinion, the progression of where Pan went. And to be honest, it's almost the crossroads where Tink began. It's London, it's World War II, and it is disaster. The only thing that could really bring joy and happiness to any child is the story that their mother brings to them. And this is no exception to Wendy and her children, Jane and Danny. Jane being the eldest always wants to take care of the family. And that's a good thing, because unfortunately, dad is going off to war. And that only leaves Wendy, Danny, and Jane. On an exceptionally stormy, and when I say stormy, I mean bomb-bursting type of day, it is apparent that the children need to leave London and go off somewhere, maybe into a wardrobe with some lions and some fonts. Oh, wait. Confusing two different movies. Wrong fantasy realm. Anyway, it is time for the children to go off out of London for their protection. Jane has had enough, and she cannot believe what's coming from her mother's mouth. Danny believes Peter Pan will save them all, and frustrated and furious as she is, she no longer believes that there is fantasy into the world, and quite frankly, no Peter Pan. How could you not believe in Peter Pan, and especially when you need him at a time like this most? After a small spat, Jane locks herself in her room and falls asleep, only to be kidnapped by the one and only Captain James Hook. Hook has a plan. Plan is very simple. In order to get Peter, as he always has, he's going to capture the one thing that has always brought him happiness, and that's Wendy. But instead of bringing him Wendy, he brings him Jane instead. They do look a little similar, but it's clearly no Wendy bird. Peter bravely rescues her from being thrown overboard to Hook's new nemesis, the octopus, similarly giving that tick-tock sound with his suction cups. Once Pan comes to realize that Jane is not Wendy, but a completely different person, he notices one small difference, her lack of fun. And the Lost Boys feel the same as well. All she wants to do is return home to protect her brother and be with her mother. And of course, what is Pan and the Lost Boys all they want to do? They just want to have some fun, move their body all night long. Wait, no, scratch that. They do want to have some fun, but still, once again, Jane, in a fit of anger, demands that she goes home. In doing so, also admits she no longer believes, and no longer believes in Tinkerbell, which causes her light to fade. Now, both sides of this story have a vestment in getting Jane home. Pan sees it as a means to help get Tink back if only they could make her a lost girl and believe. Hook, on the other hand, sees it as an opportunity to get his treasure back, by convincing her that if she can lead Hook to the treasure and finally capture Pan, all would be well in the world, promising her he would never hurt a hair on Pan's head. In the Lost Boys' attempt to get Jane to become a lost girl and believe once more, they go throughout all of Neverland 
and soon making her realize that fun can still be had. Because let's face it, girls just want to have fun. Here we go again, another song in there, sorry. Anyway, they want to make her believe, and she does. And in her belief, makes her realize that the old plan against Hook to go home isn't worth it. But unfortunately, the Hook plan does unravel, thanks to a whistle and a small tube. The treasure's found, the Lost Boys and Pan are captured, and Jane is ready to go home, but not in the way she should. So she runs to the only place that she believes, and I do mean believes, is the only means to get her back and pan back, is Tinkerbell. Her belief in fairies, Neverland, Pan, and all that is good in the world brings her back to life, and in doing so, spreads magic and aid to Pan and the Lost Boys, setting them free, having Hook being captured by the octopus, and ultimately sending Jane home. But it's not necessarily the return to Neverland that makes Jane believe. Maybe it's Peter's return to London, reuniting with Wendy, making him realize that it's not necessarily all about growing up, but always holding your family and friends close to your heart. Now, when I opened this, I originally said the direct-to-DVD sequels. Well, there are a few of those sequels that aren't necessarily direct-to-DVD, this being one of them. This movie was actually released in theaters back in 2002. It opened fairly well at the time. Did not beat out a Disney princess at the time, Britney Spears, in her movie Crossroads, but it still ranked up there in the third highest grossing position. It was of course later released on DVD in August of 2002 and met with a better reception than it had in the theaters. Of course, it wasn't until August 23rd, 2013, when the Blu-ray was released. When you're looking at Return to Neverland, let's take a look at a few things. Story-wise, I found this as a sequel to stand on its own. I found it great. Yes, there are a lot of similarities to the original, but what was wonderful about the new telling of this is that we looked at a different side of Neverland. And what I felt was through the Lost Boys, as opposed to Wendy and the children, realizing that they're not necessarily Lost Boys, but it was all about family and that forcing of family importance. Two, let's look at the Blu-ray quality. We're looking at a point where transfers from DVD to Blu-ray or from film to Blu-ray are now coming more digitally accurate. So the colors are just as vibrant, the animation just as smooth, but we're still in that in-between phase of heavily CG animation and the crossover of the Disney television animation that didn't quite gel so well. Does it detract from what you're watching? Absolutely not. You're going to really still enjoy the film and really love it because the feel from the original is still there. Same goes with the audio. It is mastered in 5.1, so you're going to get true cinematic sound if you've got your sound system hooked up and working properly. So you're not going to get any complaints. You're not going to get any digital feedback. And it's going to be, quite frankly, very clear. What better things are there than special features on a Blu-ray? Not much, but some. 
Again, this was originally released in DVD, so a lot of the things that we're going to get are still in standard definition. Probably about a half and half if I look at this. There's eight minutes worth of five deleted scenes comprised of storybooks and snippets of animation. The Pixie Preview, shot in HD, six minutes long, finally giving you that look into Tink's movies. Again, I still believe that this was the greatest bridge between what was the classic Pam stories to now what we get into the Tink stories. Because she's very heavily centered throughout this film, and if it weren't for her belief, or Jane's lack of belief, I don't think we would see a rising star that Tink would be just three years later. Jonathan Brooks gives us her musical performance in the film's title song, I'll Try. And of course you get the sneak previews of Mary Poppins, Planes, Super Buddies, and The Little Mermaid. All in all, it is a great family film to sit and enjoy with your lost boys or lost girls. Or heck, with yourself, your friends, your family, your stuffed animals, whomever. Return to Neverland is really a return to an era that is, well, sometimes lost. Sometimes you just need to go back to Neverland every once in a while. Well, gang, the curtain's coming down and the popcorn's empty. It only means one thing. It's time to say goodbye to you and all my company. But until next week, we'll come back and take a look at what Disney has to offer via Blu-ray and DVD down here in the vault. So bring this classic to your family as well. So until next time, gang, remember, the magic of Disney movies is always the second start of the right and straight on till morning. Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. See? Wow! It's Disney On Demand. Dibs! Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. Okay, I'm convinced. And a little disgusted. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back once again, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. All kinds of fun on the horizon, and I want to extend a very special thank you once again to Mark Elliott, the voice of Disney, the person that played a role in many of our lives, from many movie trailers, buffers, I mean, you name it, he has been there for all of us growing up, just spreading that magic, and it's synonymous with Disney. Thank you, Mark, for taking that time out of your busy schedule and stopping in with all of us here at the show. I'd also like to thank the D-team, yes, Caitlin, Nathan, Aaron, Paige, and Jason, all for stopping in here this week with your signature segments. Without you, there would be no show. Everybody would have to listen to me ramble in week in, week out. So thank you for stopping in and spreading that magic with our new kind of Disney show. And most of all, thank you, the D-Heads. You are the reason that we come back every single week. You are the reason we bring the magic and memories in a new kind of Disney show. You're the reason that we come back and make this show happen. We are truly honored and humbled to be able to bring these to you as we come that much closer to our 100th episode. So thank all of you, the D-Heads, who have been here with us since 2010. So all of you D-Heads, with that said, before I let you go here this week, I do want to let you know all the different ways you can stay connected here at Disney On Demand. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete news archives, our lifetime of Disney player, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. 
Disneyland.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash John Diz. That's J-O-N-D-I-Z. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. Just search Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, or Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, and stay connected. And you can find all these links right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. And remember, you can subscribe to the latest shows and get it right there on your mobile device, your Android, and more just by subscribing through Stitcher Radio or iTunes and look up Diz Radio or Disney Blue and subscribe and get the latest shows right there to listen to as they become available. So, all of you D-heads, with that said, it has been a fun, monumental show. The voice of Disney here. Lots of things on the horizon. And let me tell you, we have a very special guest stopping in here next week once again as well for show number 98. So, all of you D-heads, with that said, I do want to say, as we get busy, as life gets chaotic, take that time, slow down, and never neglect family for business. That's exactly what I'll be doing this weekend as I gear up to dance with my eight-year-old princess at the father-daughter dance. I hope you are making those memories too, and see you next week, D-Heads. We have our heading. Here we go! From the magic within our hearts to the adventure beyond the horizon, there is only one Disney. Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.